everyone, I'm Maddie. And I'm Emma. And we're the Huga Girls. Huga, in short, is the pursuit of everyday happiness. Each Monday, we give you the tools to build your happiness toolkit through discussing topics related to social media, health and wellness, pursuing your passions, and so much more. Welcome to the Huga Girls Podcast. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Hooger Girls podcast. I'm super, super excited because y'all have asked for more guests. And so, you know, naturally we had to deliver. And today is one of those episodes. Today I hosted one of my really good friends, Miranda Silva. And I wanted to have her on the podcast for a couple of reasons. But one being um, she is just absolutely killing it in life right now. She recently graduated in um, November of 2021 and is now a full-time realtor and aside from that she's just really incredible at managing her time and prioritizing relationships her personal interests and most importantly keeping a positive outlook on life while doing it. So in today's episode we discuss navigating college to postgrad, working an untraditional job, maintaining a positive mindset and you will ask some questions over on our Instagram which if you're not following us it's at Hooga Girls Podcast. Um, but you asked some questions regarding, you know, first time home buying, having an investment property, and knowing when the right time to buy is. So we answered all of those questions and more. So I'm so excited for you all to listen to today's episode. It was so much fun having Miranda on the show, and I know y'all are going to love her just as much as I do. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode. So you guys just heard an amazing spiel about one of my good friends, Miranda, who is currently on the show with me. So Miranda, do you want to Go ahead, introduce yourself. You know, I know you, but our audience doesn't. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Yes, super excited to be here. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for some time now, um, every other week or so. And I know my roommates listen to you. So it's really cool to be on the show with someone that oh my gosh, is my age that. as well. Um, and they will definitely listen to this. So at least you have four listeners, no matter what, <laughs> because we'll be listening to it. Um but yeah, my name's Miranda. Um, I just recently graduated from DU in November. So technically class of 2021, 20, I guess, but my grade is with Maddie um, and the senior class right now currently. Um, so I'm done now. I'm currently in the real estate world working full time. I started in January full time working, which has been fun. Um, and yeah, just still living in my in my college town and my college house with all my friends. Yeah, no, and that's incredible. And I think that it's really cool that um, you were saying you graduated in November and you started your full-time real estate career in January. But I feel like for a decent amount of the time that I've known you, you've had at least, I don't know, you've dipped your toes into the real estate world. So give right. us some insight into that, how you got started, how you transitioned from you know being part-time and kind of starting to figure it out and then being full-time when you graduated. Right. Yeah, I so I started, I guess, technically January of last year, really getting into it. And it was because my managing broker, um, who's currently my, my broker still, um, called me and just kind of called me out and was like, what are you doing? Like you're and I was actually quarantining. So I was like, literally not doing anything. And he's like, well, what are you gonna do with your life? Like, what's going on? I think you'd be really good at this. Um, and I think you should take it seriously. So I got into it then. I started just doing showings um, for clients that weren't even mine. So you probably saw like on my Insta, that's when I started posting a lot of stuff. Those weren't even my clients up until recently because it was the whole like fake it to make it thing. Like I need to just post something and kind of 
build my own confidence with it. Um, So that was over, I guess, a year ago this month is when everything really started. Then I went full-time in June of 2021 because we're on summer vacation, so that just kind of made sense. And then, yeah, finished up in November and then went full-time again in 22. Yeah, so when you did that, when basically your broker was like, hey, I think you're going to be really good at this, were you already, like, certified? Did you already pass your exams? Like, how how did you initially get into it to even begin with? Yeah, I actually got my license going into my sophomore year of school. So I had already been licensed for about a year. um, And I started studying. I know I get a lot of questions about like, what does that look like? And how long did it take you to complete it? And mine's always a little untraditional. But I think it's helpful if people are getting their license when they're like working full time, because I was studying for my license freshman year of college. So technically not work. Well, I was working, but I was juggling doing the licensure with everything else. So it took me probably, I think, like the majority of the school year to really study and get down all the hours and stuff like that. And then I got licensed the summer going into sophomore year. So by the time I started working, I was already licensed for over a year. Okay. That's amazing. So you definitely, you juggled, like you said, kind of both and um, did them both at the same time. So walk us through how that transition went from being in school, getting your license to then working full time over the summer to then kind of, I don't want to say putting a pause in it, but, you know, focusing more on school, focusing on graduating and then transitioning to um, the quote unquote real world. Like, how did that look for Mm -hmm. you day to day? Because that's a lot of transitions, because I know just to begin with, real estate isn't your traditional nine to five. And so how you did, are you someone who is naturally good at change or is that something that was challenging for you? Just kind of walk us through that process. Right. Well, I am not someone that's naturally good at change. I'm (laughs) a planner and I like my schedule and I like knowing things um, in advance like you do too, which is probably why we click with our Outlook calendar invites that I get made fun of. But (laughs) I really do. I like to have my stuff organized. Um, It was a learning curve, um, lots of frustration, lots of tears. And I think it was mostly just because it's it's hard to be in a job that requires you to be all in when you just can't be all in. Like I couldn't be all in when I had school. I couldn't be all in when we were like on vacations. I couldn't be all in ever. And so I've really taken off now in this this brand new year because I have only focused really on that. Um, but that being said, it took that entire year of me doing, you know, like showings and and doing buyers consults and, you know, piggybacking off other brokers in the firm to get to where I am now. So it's definitely not, I think a lot of, there's a misconception with, you know, real estate as a side hustle. I don't even, I don't know if I could be successful if it was a side hustle because it takes a lot of my time and energy um, and planning to, to do it well. Yeah. And I feel like, especially because like you were saying, it is a job where you have to fully be all in that has to be taxing on you because it's not your traditional clock in clock out clock out um you know nine to five and so with that how do you manage I guess your work-life balance because that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I mean I respect the hell out of you because I see (laughs) you be social I see you have 
um, personal relationships. I see you thrive in your personal life as well as in your work life and in your academic life in the past. And so um, how did you get to that point and what does that balance look like for you? Yeah, I am pretty structured throughout my day for the most part. So no matter what I will do, we've talked about this in the past, just you and I together, like I have affirmations I do every day, gratefulness I do every day. And those are morning things that I do, like no matter what. And they don't seem like a big deal at all because it's like, it's just gratitudes, but it gets me in the headspace where it's like, well, no matter what happens today, I know I have three things in the morning that I'm thankful for. And I know I can write out what I'm thankful for at night. So I do it twice a day, three things in the morning, and then one thing at night. So I've been doing that consistently for like, I would say probably close to two and a half months now. And that has really changed my mindset in balancing everything. So like, even like if I go to the gym, I don't have to go to the gym, I get to go to the gym, right? Like, I am lucky that I can move, right? I have to go as weird as that sounds like hang out with people. I don't have to go hang out with people. I get to hang out with people. People want to hang out with me. So it's starting my day off with that kind of stuff allows me, I think, to balance a lot that's going on in my life because I look at it from a point of positivity. And if I wasn't doing that, then things get very overwhelming because the job itself is overwhelming. So being positive about it keeps it exciting instead, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. And that's actually one of the things that I really want to talk to you about is Really, your mindset over the entire thing is something that I feel like has made you successful and it's going to continue to make you successful. And um, I don't know if any of you guys listening follow my personal Instagram or anything like that, but I posted the other day and I was like, one of my friends recommended this podcast and it's all about mindset. And Miranda is the friend who she (laughs) is the best ever and was sending me, um, it's Jai Long's podcast and it was all about mindset. And that was one, I thought it was really cool that you sent it to me because I was like, cool. Like you said, Outlook calendar, you know, we're on the same same wavelength. Right. Um, but also I think that it's really important to dive deep into that positive mindset. So prior to your affirmations, prior to kind of, um, I would say, having this mental shift, what were things that you were noticing when you weren't able to balance it? Like was it, you said, a lot of frustration, a lot of tears, a lot of, I would say almost negative self-talk that can maybe make its way in. And why, why did you choose to navigate into a way that was like, okay, I need to switch my mindset and this is how, and just, I don't know, walk us through that process. Yeah. The, I think what the biggest thing really is, and it's not unique to me, but I would say to anybody, like, have you read the defining decade? I have. Yeah. Okay. You told me to read it over the summer. Yes. We went and we got Aperol Spritzes (laughs) and you said you need to read this book. And I was like, Yes. I'm glad you read it. Yes. Yes. I did. (laughs) So I always think about that. And I always think about one of the lines that she says in it was like, um, your 20s is painted as like a time of like glamour and fun and travel when it's in actuality, one of the most challenging times of your life, one of the most stressful times of your life. And I think it's true. And so what I was running into at that point in time before all this mindset shift for the most part was I tend to feel like I'm very behind in life, which is ironic because I'm not, but I tend to feel that way. And I know you're, you achieve a lot and you have a busy schedule and I know you probably feel that way sometimes too. Absolutely. I don't know if that's like, it it must be a twenties thing, I would assume, because a lot of my friends feel this way. And so 
you know, I would get really frustrated because I felt like I wasn't having enough sales or I wasn't achieving or, you know, my clients weren't like organic in the sense of like relationships and stuff and like people that I know. Um, and I think what just happened honestly was I was in quarantine with COVID and I really had nothing else to do except like get my shit together. And I just started reading and journaling and doing affirmations. And by the time I got out of quarantine, I was like, well, it's been 10 days. I might as well keep it up. Also, it was a very symbolic new year. I got, I got COVID right before Christmas. So I got out on the 31st of December. So it was a super like symbolic, like, okay, well now we're going to keep doing it. I did it for 10 days already and I'm full time now. And I just graduated the world's my oyster. I went to Europe. I had a fun time and now I'm here to focus. And that was really it. But the crazy thing is like, it's hard to believe that affirmations work until you do them for a long time because it seems really silly to be writing down. So I write down my income goal every single day, 25 times a day, not 20, not separate 25 times, but like 25 lines. I write it every single morning. And at the start I was like, why would I do that? Like, I don't believe it. And then the more I did it, the more I was like, I start to believe it. And I don't know what you would call that, honestly, if it's just like tricking your brain into thinking it. I don't know, but it works. Yeah. And I think that that goes back to like what you said earlier, you got to fake it till you make it right. Like I, I know that in my personal life, even in this podcast, like there were times where at season one, season two, like we would post stuff on our Instagram stories and we'd be like, ask us questions for an advice episode. No one would ask us questions, right? And so (laughs) we would sit there and we would pull from questions that were just us. And that was season one and that was four years ago, but it's, it really is that kind of fake it till you make it. And it's kind of that same thing of like you said, writing down your income goal. If you start to see that number so many times, eventually it's going to be your reality. And I think it's one of those things where you have to kind of shift your mindset and it's not that you can't do it. It's that you're not at a place where you're to it yet. And I think that that is a really good way of looking at it. And especially being post-grad and like you said, going all in on a job that really requires you to be all in, that's a really good way to navigate it. But with that, with, you know, everything that has to do with real estate and everything that has to do with your career, you're still living, like you were saying, in your house with your college roommates. You're still living in a college town. I know that that's um, really similar to Emma in that sense as well, um, Mm -hmm. where she is currently, you know, living in her college town, same college roommates. And so I'm sure it has to be hard navigating, okay, I'm not in college anymore, but everything around me is still screaming, hey, you're in college. How do you navigate that with, you know, a work life and with your relationships, with your friendships and, you know, all of that? Yeah, solid question. Um, I think there's a couple of factors. One, I like what I do. So that makes it easier if, you know, my roommates are, you know, going to go get margs at Pete's or something like that. And I don't go. It's because I know that I have early morning showings and the pigs, the Pete's margs are going to fuck me up. Like there, I just, you know, I can't, we all know this. You can only drink one before you're already there. Oh yeah. So (laughs) it's just a lot of discipline and like, what am I serious about? I'm serious about being successful and I'm serious about showing up for my clients in the best way possible. And I can't do that hungover. And so that already, I think, is a bit of a a shift from school to working full-time, but also working full-time in a job you like. And 
I think it also just comes down to like give and take, right? So will I sacrifice a couple of nights where it's like I don't get a lot of sleep because I went to my boyfriend's house to watch a show and therefore go to bed later? Yes, right? So it's it's all about a balance, a balancing act with it. But I don't feel FOMO that much anymore. And I think it's because I feel like the world is my oyster and I have a lot of fun with what I'm doing. And so it's hard to feel FOMO when it's like, well, I get to drive to Golden tomorrow and, you know, show this beautiful house and maybe they'll put an offer in it and maybe they won't. But if they do, it's exciting. And then I get to come home and still see my friends, but I just sacrifice little things. But it doesn't feel like a sacrifice when you like what you're doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And I even think about, I don't know, one of the reasons that I even wanted to have you on this podcast, I can think of a very specific moment and it was um, probably five-ish months ago and we were at our favorite spot, you know, drinking our Aperol spritzes and you were like, I am so sorry, I have to step away for like 15, 20 minutes. This is someone calling and they're, I'm going to have to see if this offer went through. And I remember thinking like in that moment, I was like, holy shit, this girl is so cool. Like she's literally sitting here. She's having a girl's night. Like we're eating pizza, we're drinking spritzes and you're like, put that thought on pause. I'm not trying to be rude. This is something I have to take care of. And you went, you took care of it, you came back and you were fully present. And that is something that I think is so, so cool because even though real estate is not your traditional nine to five and you can't, you know, clock out at five and say, okay, I'm not going to focus on anything else. I feel like at least from the outside looking in, you do a really good job balancing, hey, this is important to me and making people around you feel like, hey, you're also important to me. This is something that can't wait and I'll be right back. And I feel like that's really important because like you said, it really does come back to that discipline and knowing like, you know, I don't really need to sit here and gossip about guys for 15 minutes (laughs) when I could be on this call. I can do that in 15 minutes later, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that... I I think is very much a mindset shift. And so I know you've talked a lot about the affirmations that you do and um, everything like that. But I'm curious to know if you have, because I actually don't know this about you, if you have a set like morning routine, if you have a set night routine, things that you do every single day to provide that consistency. Because I know just in general, you know, as humans, we thrive off of consistency. Change is not Mm -hmm. something that we like. And in a job that is ever-changing, ever-evolving, you don't necessarily clock in, clock out. How do you find that consistency day-to-day? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that. That is so cute (laughs) that you remembered that. (laughs) And I think also a big reason why I can do that is because if I can put, you know, 15 minutes of quality time into a client, then I don't have to spend more time with that client. Not that I don't want to, But if you put the good energy towards them and do it well for 15 minutes, then I can spend the rest of my night for me, right, with my friends. Yeah. But as for morning routine, um, well, I wake up at 8 every day. Um, That's not because I like it, I guess. I just like to have slower mornings. And so I get into the office at 10 every day, which is the whole, like, it's not 9 to 5, right? I pick my own hours. 10 I found to be a good time for me just through trial and error. Um, because it gives me enough time at my house to, you know, wake up, do my affirmations, eat a good breakfast, go to the bathroom, do my skincare. And then that way I show up feeling my best. Um, I am not a big believer and maybe someone's going to disagree with me, but (laughs) hot take, you don't have to wake up at 4am to be successful. I like to get nine hours of sleep. That's just who I am. And I wake up at eight. 
And that's how I do it. And I am blessed because I don't have to go in at nine o'clock in the morning. So I can do it. But it's 8 a.m. every single day for the most part, um, which is actually pretty easy considering my weekends are filled with clients. So I have to be up consistently anyways. Um, So you get used to it, right? With the 8 a.m. type of situation. Um, Yeah, wake up. I light incense usually or something like that. I don't know if it does anything, but it just, I like the smell. And then I do my affirmations um, in a quiet place. I do my gratitudes. I write down three things I'm grateful for in the moment so I can get my day started with gratitude. Um, I make a big breakfast. I'm plant-based, so I have to eat a lot to keep the volume in, you know, like a lot of calories to make sure I'm not dying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I get dressed in something that I feel happy in. um, And I am lucky again, I can wear jeans to the office because there isn't, I don't have to subscribe to the normal dress code. Um, And then I just drive to the office and I always play music on the way to the office that makes me feel like I can envision my future, which weirdly enough tends to be rap just because they're always talking about how they made a million in a day. And I'm like, well, I want to do that. And I think the words that you, the words that you say are like, they become reality. And so if I'm singing that I'm making a million in a day, then I probably will someday. You know what I mean? And that's just what I listen to on the way to work, which is like a 10 minute drive. I love that. I love that so much. I think that's awesome. So you know, like you were saying, you have your affirmations, you have your skincare routine, your breakfast. Are you a coffee drinker? Yes and no. I get, I have been getting anxious recently with coffee. Oh, um, okay. So I'm trying to do matcha now, but you told me trying, this. yes, trying. Yes. I did I coffee today, that. so it, like it clearly, clearly, it's not working that well. Um, but I am a coffee drinker. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's just a side tangent. So, you know, maybe make your coffee, maybe drive to the office. You have showings or you're pulling reports or whatever you're doing throughout the day. Um, And then there's not, like we were saying, there's not an exact clock out. When does your day typically end? And then what does it look like kind of after that? How do you round out your day? Yeah. um, Well, after work, I tend to, I either do two things after work and they just depend on the day. So I will either go to a social event of some capacity. Um, We call it like filling up your social calendar. So I'll get drinks with a friend. I will, I don't know, just go to an event. I will do something with some kind of friend. And I try to maintain all those relationships with people. Um, Or I go to the gym after. And that is a pretty strict thing if I'm not seeing someone because if I sit down in my room, I just won't get up and go. So I'm pretty strict about when I get home, I immediately go to the gym. Um, then after that, you know, I just shower. And the weird thing about it is like I I can – I'll answer calls and texts pretty late at night. And I'm not sure if that's a boundary issue that I have. I guess maybe I'm still kind of learning how to navigate that. But typically when like the funny thing is like if I'm working with clients that are like my age, so I have a client right now who's around my age, he'll text me at 11 p.m. And that's I don't find it weird or unprofessional because I'm also his age and I'm also up at that hour. So it's kind of gray water where my day actually rounds out. But the things I do to really complete my day when I get into bed, I read 10 pages of a book that will benefit me of some capacity, um, whether it's like a marketing book 
or like a self-help book or a business book or a finance book or a real estate book. I have, I'm looking right now, I have like six on my nightstand that I kind of just go through 10 pages a day. And the reason it's 10 is because it's attainable to do it. And you can round out about a book a month with 10 pages a day. So then you're reading 12 books a year, which is more than the average person does anyways. So I always just finish with that. And I do a gratitude in my journal and I go to sleep. And that's that. So those are like the concrete things because the rest of the day is pretty much like, am I meeting someone? Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Right? Like, I don't know. But I always do the same little activities to, to complete the day. Yeah. No, I actually really like that. And that's something that maybe I'll incorporate into my night routine because I'm someone where I keep saying I want to get into reading. I kid you mm-hmm. not, it took me three months to read The Defining Decade. Three months. Because um, <laughs> I just couldn't get through it. It sat on my bedside right. table. I ended up getting it on Audible and just listening to it because I was like, I can't do this. Um, so I like that. I like the 10 days in that if you read 10 or 10 pages – Mm-hmm. And that'll be about a book a month and that's 12 books a year. That's a really cool like way to think of it. I feel like it's kind of like treating yeah. your brain in a certain way. Well, also like when you're just so tired, like you're not going to read a whole chapter, but 10 yeah. pages you can do, right? Like that's anyone can do 10 pages. Yeah, so no, absolutely. It's not hard. I really like that. So kind of pivoting a little bit and then we can make our way back in a little bit. But um Wanted to pick your brain about some actual real estate things. I know that we have some listeners who are buying homes for the first time, who are trying to buy homes, who are debating, do I buy versus do I lease? Um, People kind of in their 20s, because I feel like the American dream stereotypically is like, okay, you're 30 and you buy a house and you have a husband or a wife and you have kids and Mm -hmm. like whatever. And I feel like, especially with our generation, there are so many people who are shifting and saying, okay, I'm in my 20s. I would buy a house for myself. I later want to have it as an investment property or whatnot, that kind of thing. Um, So kind of diving into that very blanketed first question, what is your number one piece (laughs) of advice to give first-time home buyers? So that can be people in their 20s. That can be people in their 30s, 40s, whatever. Yeah, great question. I think my first piece of advice specifically for first-time home buyers is to make sure you have all your financials in order. You can't get anywhere unless you are already pre-approved of some capacity or you you know have a lot of money saved up. Um, you just you just really can't. Um, getting pre-approved takes a couple of days at least with your lender and that requires that you have your tax stuff ready, you, your pay stubs, all of that stuff has to be on hand to do the application for, for a loan. Um, so if you don't even have that, you know, it's difficult to even get pre-approved and therefore even put an offer on a house. Um, Same thing with like money, like in the sense of having your financials taken care of or covered is like understanding that you need to put like a down payment down. That's like a a lot of money, you know, for a lot of people and also like closing costs and stuff like that. And you're, and a good realtor, you know, will go over all of that with you prior to anything. So I'll always take my clients and we'll do like what I call a buyer's consultation. And it's always free because it, first of all, it wouldn't make sense to charge someone who's just trying to learn something. And second of all, it gives them an idea of what are all of the costs that you need to know because shit really adds up really fast. Um, so just making sure that you have all the forms needed to get pre-approved or if you have a lot of money sitting in the bank or you have parents' money, just making sure you have all of that in order because then you can actually have fun with trying to see what's out there. 
because money's like the biggest stressor for, for most people, right? So just making sure that's all taken care of or having realistic expectations of what you actually can afford once you have those all taken care of, I think is the big one. Yeah, I I like that. I think that that's a really like good answer to have across the board. Obviously, I don't know anything really about real estate, but I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh, this looks cool. Like I'm going to go for it. And you, if you mm-hmm. don't have kind of all your ducks in a row, it's really easy to see things fall between the cracks. And like you said, it's kind of a make or break thing. And so my second kind of follow-up question with that is, when do you know when the right time is to buy versus to lease? Because I feel like, at least in my personal opinion, obviously when you're in college, nine times out of 10, you're, you know, renting and right out of college, you'll start renting and that kind of thing, um, or just in your 20s in general. But in my opinion, when you're renting, you're quite literally just dumping money into something that you're never going to see a return on. Um, Sure. But you also might not have the funds to necessarily invest in a property right away. So when would you say is like a telltale sign, like, okay, this is when I need to take that next step and go from renting to buying? Yeah, great question. Because I think obviously like any realtor you talk to is going to push that buying is better than than leasing at any given point. But there's a lot of hidden expenses with home ownership, right? Like if you're leasing a place and something breaks, you're calling your landlord and he or she is fixing it. Versus if something breaks in the house you own, that is your cost to fix. So those costs can also add up a lot. Um, I think the best time is if you know you have money for a down payment. So if you're doing like a starter home, which the median home price in Denver right now, I believe is like 532,000. And that's the median. So if you have at least 20 or 25 grand or 30 grand in savings, you know, you have money for a down payment, which will, the more you put down, you know, like the, the lower your mortgages, which is better for you overall. Um, if you've been working for two years, at least, um, if you have W2, that makes it easier. Um, if your parents are willing to co-sign on a property with you, you know, it'll pull their credit and everything like that. If your parents are willing to co-sign and you have some money for the down payment, I would jump on it, especially in Colorado. Um, the home price, home prices have only really gone up. And even during, I think like the 08, 09 recession, when we were just like little kids, Denver was one of the only cities in the U.S. that didn't dip. Like it didn't go negative. It just flattened out. So it's only going to go up. You know what I mean? Even in recession times, like it's a really great area to buy in. So if you have the money saved up and you have good credit and work history, or you have a co-signer for a parent who's going to help you buy, you might as well just jump. Um, And obviously if you're working like a stable job, so you can take care of any expenses and stuff like that. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't maybe buy if I have a wedding coming up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you have a lot of expenses coming. No, exactly. I really like that. So kind of pivoting in a completely different direction. Let's say <laughs> great years down the road, you've made the investment, you have rental properties and, you know, maybe you lived in them for a couple of years and then you moved and now, you know, you're renting them out. What is your opinion on having a traditional lease and having people, you know, basically you're the landlord to the people or mm-hmm. Airbnb, um, VRBO, which I guess is now pronounced Verbo. I can't, I can't say Verbo to save my <laughs> life. It's still VRBO. But like Airbnb, Verbo, that kind of thing. What are the pros and cons of each um, in your opinion? If you, if you know anything about it. Yeah, I, so big things with Airbnb. I think they're awesome. Um, 
I have like a personal friend that was that bought a couple a year ago. He's actually the first person like I ever sold something to. It was a shitty little condo. And ever since he just kept buying more and more and more. And he turned them into like cushcations. So like they're places where you can smoke weed in them. And so he would Airbnb them and people from out of state would fly in and stay in them. And he was making like, like 10 grand a week. Like that's stupid, right? Like that's so cool. Uh, And very entrepreneurial of him. And the thing about Airbnb is that you have to be able to get a house in a county that allows that. So Denver County currently does not allow what they call short-term rentals, which is Airbnb. Englewood does, however, but Denver doesn't. So it depends on what your goal is, right? Like if you were to buy a house in Denver, you would have to essentially do like a year lease um, because you wouldn't be allowed to Airbnb it. And I guess you could, but if you got audited or something like that, like the fine would be really hefty. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you want to risk. Like I'm not advocating for that. So yeah, <laughs> it just depends on, on where your, your location goal is, but Airbnb, I think, um, is great. You just obviously have to think about like, if you were saying like you have a lot of properties, right? Like say you have 10, what are the maintenance costs of maintaining all of those? If you have that many people in and out of them, the cleaning costs of that and just overall property management, that's a whole other ball game you have to think about versus having, you know, just tenants in a house for a year. They're just two different, two different sharks, yeah. I guess, to deal with. But they're both great. It depends yeah. on what your goal is. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely yeah. good to know. And I actually didn't know that about Denver either. So that's also good to know. Um, so kind of rounding out the episode, I wanted to go back and talk about you personally. So this can... <laughs> Um, you know, relate to real estate if you want it to, um, or it could just be a personal thing. But you've had a month, or I guess a month and a half now, of officially right. um, post grad, and you've been working full time. What is the most challenging thing that you have faced, and how have you overcome it? I feel like, not to put you on the spot and make it seem like you're in a job <laughs> interview, but I feel like. You know, like we've talked about in the dividing decade, people always say, you know, your 20s are supposed to be fun. And you see all over Instagram, like people traveling and people like and these amazing relationships with like huge friend groups and whatever. And it's like Mm -hmm. the reality of the situation is, is like you have to grind, like you have to start working. And I'm sure that comes with a lot of ups and downs. And so I'm curious to know what something has been for you that you weren't anticipating after post-grad and how you've at least started to navigate that. I'm not expecting you to have all the answers by any means, but right. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think it's control. And I had a, a pretty big conversation with my boyfriend and my roommates about personally how I am. I like control and I don't like control in the sense where it's like, you know, Like everything has to be super in order and all like, it's not, it's not that it's more just, I tend to feel like there is some kind of looming deadline and there isn't right. Like it's just life. And I tend to feel like, well, I need to have this and this and this and this and this. And I think part of that control, the positive aspect is I am very disciplined. Is it, is it because I'm anxious? Maybe, but you know, (laughs) like, I think that letting go of all that stuff has been, and it currently is the biggest challenge. You know, all of our friends are moving away soon. Everyone's graduating soon. If you're in a relationship, you probably, and like at our age, you're probably wondering, where is this going to go? That's what I was thinking for a long time. Like, 
you know, like you just don't know what the next steps are. And unfortunately you don't have any way of knowing until it happens. Right. Like when everybody graduates in June, then you'll probably have a solid plan, but it's difficult to find out where you're living. For example, in January, right. When you have six months left in your college town or you haven't even gotten your job yet or like whatever it is. And so for me, post-grad, I still have those feelings. So it's like, when am I buying my first house? Hopefully this summer, right? Like, when am I taking this step with my boyfriend? When when am I going to have a new friend group? Because mine are going to move away. And obviously, we'll stay together. I have no sense of control over anything. And I think maybe that's just life. And maybe I just tend to be a person that likes... Oh, I am a person that likes everything planned out. So I think that has been the hardest the hardest challenge for me. And probably will continue to do like be so, um, which is fine. Yeah, no, and I think that that, like you said, that's life. Like I um, read a quote the other day that said, "Change is the only constant," and I was like, "Wow, like that's that's true. Like you can't control things, and life is always going to continue to send you curveballs." And I mean, you know this about me, but I'm the same way. I plan things to a T. Like you said, we live Mm -hmm. by our calendars, and you want that control, and you want to, you know, feel as though you can predict what's going to happen in the future and that's life. You can't. Um, right. So yeah, I, I agree with that and I resonate with that completely kind of rounding out um, this episode. Something that we often ask our guests is um, what's one question that I haven't asked you yet that you would have liked to have been asked because you know, this is kind of like your time to shine, your time to share anything <laughs> that you feel is pertinent to share because I don't ever want anyone to leave the podcast thinking, oh my gosh, like I wish I would have been able to share this or I wish I could have been able to say this. And we've had people even say random stuff, be like, oh, like my daughter did this or like I wanted to share this <laughs> or like I told someone I'd give them a shout out or whatever. Like this is your time. So however you want to take it, take it. Yeah, that is a, a good question. I think something that I get asked about a lot, especially because I – tend to put a lot of my career on social media is, or maybe I don't get asked it, but I get a lot of comments all the time or like, oh my God, I want to get into real estate so bad. And I get that all the time. And, you know, my answer is always do it, like totally do it. And a lot of people don't take the steps for it. And I guess something I would want to say is like, if you are seriously considering getting into real estate, first of all, do it. But what I would do as like a piece of advice for those who have maybe considered it or think that it seems really cool because it is, is creating like a life list of some capacity. So like, and without holding back really. So like, what kind of car do you want to drive? What kind of house do you want to be in? How do you want to spend your free time? How do you want people to think of you? Like what, what, like it could be really anything. And then ask yourself if you can get that with the nine to five. And if you can't, are you okay with that? And that answer will dictate whether or not you should jump into getting your license. Um, because if you're really not okay with it and, and you mean that, then maybe it's worth grinding out to get your license and grinding out to work on commission and, and doing all this stuff that's untraditional. And if you are okay with a nine to five, which you should be serious with yourself asking, which is totally okay for nine to five, like that is totally fine to do. And most people do that anyways then you'll have more of a clear answer with whether or not you should do it because it's not like a traditional job. But I do think it's exciting. So if people are considering it to maybe think about what their goals in life are. Yeah, I like that. Well, thank you for sharing. And also thank you for 
just being on the podcast in general. Yes, um, thanks for having I, me. Yeah, always. I know we've been talking about this for a while and um, it worked out that I was able to chat with you. So last and most important question, um, one, are you accepting new clients at this moment? And two, <laughs> what is your social media? How can our listeners connect with you and, you know, plug yourself? Oh my gosh. Yes. Wow. Yes. I always am accepting new clients. Um, I have a team that I work with. We're a small family firm. So um, if I ever, for whatever reason, can't do a showing because I've double booked myself or I'm out of town or something, I always have people that can help me that are in the same headspace that I am, same mindset that I have. Like we all help each other grow. Um, So I'm always accepting new clients and our team supports each other that if we ever need help to give someone our full attention, we can. Um, so I always, I'm always accepting new people and I love to work with new people and that's my job is to work with new people. Um, so yes, um, my Instagram is just my name. So Miranda dot Silva, Silva with a V. Um, and my, yeah, that's probably the best way to reach me. I think if you're a young listener is through my Insta, I get a lot of DMS from people. So never be shy to DM me. Um, people do all the time or like ask me questions. I have people from high school who ask me questions and like, it's never weird. So if you have any questions or anything like that, like, please reach out. Amazing. And yeah, for all of our listeners, um, who want to connect with Miranda or want to know more about, you know, what she does or you're looking for a realtor or anything like that, or you just want to follow her because she's a cool person to follow. Um, (laughs) we'll have all of it listed in the show notes as well. Um, Thank you again so much for being on the show. Yeah, this was so fun. And for all of our listeners, we will be back next Monday um, with a new episode. We're kind of getting down to the tail end of season four, which I absolutely cannot believe I'm even saying. Um, It's crazy. This past week has been insane. Who Girls is officially ours. It's officially trademarked. Um, And it's just, it's been a really exciting season. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. But yes, be sure to follow Miranda on Instagram. All of her stuff will be listed in the show notes as well as our personal Instagram at Hygge Girls Podcast. That's H-Y-G-G-E Girls Podcast. And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay Hygge. Bye, y'all.